0: Hello everyone. Welcome to by the campfire with your Barrios. I'm your host Landon Barrios. Yes. We were healed by the power of God and the grace of God. We have survived the COVID. Yes. Um unfortunately, I don't have that strong of a voice today. Let me get let me get set up. I'm not even I'm not even set up, y'all. I got my coffee and I got my Bible ready. Ooh. Lena's got his Bible. Something's going on here. Yes, yes, yes. We have a great episode coming up, coming up tonight, today or whatever, wherever, whenever you, whenever and whenever you're watching this. Who knows? But um, I got a great one for you guys coming up. Uh, it's gonna be a good episode. Um, I got a lot to talk about. Things that are going on of this nature, um, and stuff of that nature. Uh, one thing I know I need to work on is when I say um. I, I, I often listen to the podcast after it gets aired a few days, okay? I Normally, I don't listen to it. I used to, but past few episodes, I've stopped listening to the podcast and just airing it, waiting a few days and then listening to it. And I've noticed that I say, um. So y'all pray for me. Y'all, 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 you know, be patient with me. I am personally studying I'm not taking any classes, I'm just you know looking stuff up on YouTube and stuff about how to talk a little bit better. I've learned when I use the word "um" in my sentences, that is what they call a filler word, and it's kind of to block out any awkward moments, and honestly, that's not why I use it. Uh, it might be, I don't know, but um look there, I go again. <laughs> but I, I'm working on it, you know, I'm listen, I'm not a professional. OK, I'm just starting a podcast and I'm, I'm we're doing it. Me and my wife are doing this for fun. I know a lot of it's just me. It just kind of happens uh, to be that way in a lot of times. So uh, anyways, I'm not a professional or radio host by any means. Um, I'm just looked. I oh mean, I keep doing it. Yet. Stop doing it. Mm. Maybe if I drink a cup, of a little bit, sip of coffee, it'll help me with my ums. Just let that sink in for a minute. Yes, we have survived the COVID. It was a terrible dilemma. It wasn't as bad as some people say it was. Um, Look, there I go again. I'm going to catch myself every time I say um. Uh, But yes, we've um. Oh my goodness, that Landon Barrios. You have. You are golly unbelievable. Okay. If I say it, I say it. I'm sorry. If it annoys you, I'm sorry. Welcome to By the Campfire with the <laughs> Um, Whatever, man. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I want to say it again. for Every sentence I pause, and want to say it again. I'm not going to say it this time. Well... <laughs> I need to switch it or something, but today let's jump right into it. Yes, we we've survived the COVID. It was a terrible dilemma. We Mallard took it a little bit harder than than I did. Unfortunately, um, I was a few days later. I was like a few days behind her, but you know, man. Now I'm trying to catch myself not saying um so much. I'm not even going to worry about it. But, anyways, you know we, we survived the COVID. We it was my biggest thing was I was really weak. I was really weak, and I had muscle aches in my back, in my thighs. Kind of weird, I know. But I had I had it was like it was like little marbles, just in the my lower back, and I just could not get them out. And even when I was going to work, even after two weeks off, I went to work. It was still hurting, but we're over it now. Uh, My voice may sound a little bit different, but it's not because of the COVID. I can explain that dilemma of my voice. What happened was it snowed. It snowed here in Texas, and I'm not talking about them slushy stuff either. Some of my buddies that are in Wyoming, I'm talking about real snow. It really snowed down here, and it was a blast. We had a ton of fun. Uh, we got to hang out with some family members and everything. It was a great time. Uh, we swam in a hot tub, which was awesome, and the reason I lost my voice is, I believe, well, two things. Number one, my mom cheated at Gatan She was trying to get dad to um, give her some resources that she didn't need, trying to beat me, and I ended up. I ended up losing anyways, but I beat her across the line. Anyway, if you know about anything about the Catan, I was trying to get Longest Road. Anyways, of that nature, whatever. And I yelled and screamed and hollered, called Mom Nancy Pelosi. It was terrible, I know. I, I asked for forgiveness for that. Not for Mom, but for God, but, you know. <laughs> but when it snowed Sunday, I went polar diving in their pool, me and my two cousins, Kevin and Keith. And I stayed in the pool in the freezing cold a little bit too long. And I think it ruined my voice a little bit. So that's what's wrong with my voice. So let's get into it. Landon, quit yabbing around. Quit flapping your gums. Quit rolling your tongue and talking nonsense. Let's get into this. What are we learning about today? What are we talking about today? What's going on? What's on your heart? All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We are talking today about our churches. We are going to be talking about the rise and fall of churches. Now, before we get into this, I want to clearly state something. I am not a preacher. I'm not. Though I have... I prayed many, many times and asked God to call me to preach multiple times for many, many years. I believe when I was 17, I asked God if being a preacher was for me. He never answered. I asked God when I was 18, when I was in seminary, should I be a preacher? He never answered. At 21, I thought I was under conviction for, being, for wanting to preach. But that wasn't the case. Here I am at 23, and he still hasn't called me to preach. Do I have a desire for it? A little bit. Do I love talking about the Word of God? I do. I could study a little more, and that's what this is all about. A lot of it is, this podcast. If I can start doing some lessons, I feel like it'll help me study more. I know, I know that may not be the perfect approach, but it does help me to know that people are listening, and people want to listen to you, and they want to hear what you have to say about the Bible, so you better get it right. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about Josiah. We're going to be talking about the rise and fall of our churches. And I'm not talking about the major churches, the big mega churches. I'm not talking about that. We're going to be talking about our smaller churches, our ABA independent, smaller churches. The churches that have been through it all, that have seen it all, the churches that have split in two. The churches that once were the talking of the community, the one church that everyone knew and heard about and went to, to a church that is nearly dead and dying. We're going to be talking about those churches today. But before we get into that, let's read a passage, a couple passages from the Bible. I won't read all these verses, okay? I'm just going to tell you the story, and I'm going to pick a few verses to read. Um, There's some names in here I am too embarrassed (laughs) to say on the podcast because sometimes I can say them, sometimes I can't. So if you want to read along with me, you can, but we may be running into some issues like that. But other than that, like I said, I'm no preacher, so I don't have to be perfect. And if you don't like it, whatever, I I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, (laughs) but let's get into it. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. What's in 2 Kings chapter 22? Oh, well, it's Josiah. And who was Josiah? Well, a quick background check. Uh, Josiah was one of the great grandsons of King David. And um, a little bit about Josiah. His father and grandfather were not the best of kings. They worshiped false idols and they did not walk in the sight of the Lord. Well let's pick up right here, right now, in um chapter twenty two, verse one, and also and also verse two. So let's read this. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty one years in Jerusalem. That's crazy, first of all. That's crazy. For an eighteen or for an eight year old to reign in Jerusalem, you know, to be the king of a country, that, that's 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 insane just to think about in our modern day time. I mean you see an eight year old running around today and my goodness, you know, someone get that boy and spank him. I mean heaven almighty, but uh in those days it was different. In those days they I mean, you know, the the next one up, next man up, you know. And so, um, and so we read on to verse two and he did that, which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways of David, his father, and turned not aside unto the right hand or to the left. So that's a strange thing to say and turn not aside to the right hand, nor to the left. What the Bible is describing here is that Josiah was just like David in a lot of ways. Um, when it talks about the right hand or the left hand, he's saying that he was no different. His heart was in the right place. He walked like David. He had the same mindset like David. He did a lot of things like David. He was, um, and he was a God-fearing man. But I'm going to kind of tell you the story from here on out until we get to a certain verse we're going to talk about. Josiah was 18 years old when he decided to go a different direction. Um, Again, in verse 2, he said, He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways David, his father. I want to make something clear. With Josiah, Josiah didn't actually know where he was going. He knew what was presented in front of him, these false idols, these false gods, that that wasn't the direction he wanted his country to go. He knew that something had to change because all the evilness and corruption that was going on, something had to, had to change. And he knew this. He knew that, that this was wrong. He knew that there had to be a, a, a different direction that the, this country needed to go. And he, and he started going into that step. Long story short, King Josiah decided to clean out the temple of God. So he cleaned out this temple and he was cleaning it out and everything. And he got his servants to clean it out and, uh, and, um, scribes and all that stuff. Well, they found the book and this book was called the book of the law, which was in, in, in indication, the Bible. If I am not describing this perfectly, it's because I'm not a preacher I'm just a church member, okay? So I'm trying to get very base with this. So anyways, he found this book of the law, which was the Bible, whatever was of it at that point in time. And one of his servants they 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 read him this book. They read him the book. And this is what it says in verse 11. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. He rented his clothes. Verse 13. Go ye inquire the Lord for me and for the people for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers have not hearkened Unto the words of this book. Now let's kind of step back a little bit. We we read, that's, that's some pretty tough stuff that Josiah said. But we'll get back into it. Now let's talk about our churches. At one point, our churches were thriving. My whole life, my whole life, I was always told about the great revival of the 1960s. How there was revival in the air. How salvation was, was the hand of God was over America during that time. That there were revivals in, in um, in uh, baseball, NFL stadiums, football stadiums, soccer stadiums. They were there was a revival everywhere. Churches were gathered together. The ministry of God was was rapidly expanding. I mean, all these things were happening during the sixties. But if we look at today and what we see today, we don't see our churches in the condition it was in the 60s. In the 60s, we see our churches in the great numbers of like 300 and 200. And most people probably don't think that's a lot, maybe 500, whatever. But for our churches, that's a lot. But we see the thriving of our churches. And and I have to wonder what happened. Because I look back in our church history, I look back in a lot of things that were going on in those days, and we could find that there was multiple people in these churches. They were everywhere. Tons of people just flooded these churches. Um, There were activities, there was choir, there was ministries, youth ministries, youth groups. I mean, everywhere in the 60s and 70s, it seemed like there was so much going on, but The church I grew up in, not in particular, I'm talking about the church age. The church age I grew up with in is much different than the one in 1960s. And why is that? What happened? Well, after doing some research, I I found out a lot about what happened. Like I said, our grandparents' age has always taught us that the great movement of the 60s and there's so salvation was everywhere and churches were thriving and they and i was always told that my generation has failed my generation has completely ignored the word of god has completely stepped away from the word of god and they always say well it's just part of the end times it goes to show we're getting that much closer to the resurrection or from the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I was told this. I was told this. But after doing some studying, lots of studying, I found out one thing or a couple things I'd like to share with y'all. We have to go back a little bit further than 1960. If we go back to the 20s and 40s, we find something very different. Back in the 20s and 40s, mainly in the 40s, people had gone through rough times. The Great Depression, there was war going on in other countries, and it hit our country. A lot of things were happening. And during that time, there was a great push for the gospel, And this was in our great-grandparents' generation. Coffee break. It was in our great-grandparents' generation. So our great-grandparents had this great idea. They came to the churches, and a lot of these men, there was a a certain man, I I can never find his name again. I found it once, I never could find it again. But... Pretty much he went to a church. He went to his pastor. This was back in the 40s. I actually think it was like 1938, in fact, somewhere around there. He went to his pastor and he said, brother, preacher, I want to record you doing one of your sermons. Can you do that for me? Can you talk in this mic, record one of your sermons because I want to put it on radio. Well, the preacher was, wasn't, too, wasn't too fond of that idea. He said, what do you, why do you want to put it on the radio? Because you have to remember, back then, radio, there, there was radio, but it wasn't a whole lot of radio. Radio was getting, it was a newer thing that was kind of happening, you know? And so, it wasn't the radio like we know it today. Let's just say it like that, okay? It was way different. So, he said, I think it would be a great idea if we got the Word of God on the radio, that people can listen to it on the radio, Where he brought this idea to the churches, and the churches were like, no, that's that's gonna keep people out of church. That's not what we want to do. But here's what happened. When they started recording sermons on radio, and they started posting on radio and it started airing on radio, a great movement happened. Lots of people were hearing the word of God over the radio. People got moved, people got encouraged, people got convicted. Then they took another step further, our great-grandparents' generation. Our great-grandparents decided, why don't we get on national TV? Why don't we preach the Word of God and have television uh, film us and we can preach on national TV so we can start to preach on TV and get our, our message out that way also? So now we have radio. Now we have TV. And during that push of the church age in that time, There was radio, television. Then they came up with Wednesday night services. They say, hey, you know what? Let's not just meet up on Sundays. Let's also meet up on Wednesdays. And when we meet up on Wednesdays, let's actually make a study group. Let's make a study group. Not just to have a service, but let's make a study group as in like there's the adults, there's the the there's the elderly, there's the parents, there's the youth, there's the children's class, you know, all these different classes. Let's let's put them in their age groups, make classes, and that's what they did for the Wednesday night. They had this push to happen. And so our great grandparents established all this. Then once all that was going on, they started being able to um rent out uh Baseball stadiums, football stadiums. They, their, their missionaries started growing, and that where that way they could uh, have more missionaries and more people getting together and going out to other countries and establishing other churches. This all started with our great grandparents. All of this. If you want to look it up, you can. I don't. I can't reference or anything. I can't just tell you this. This is just you. Just got to do this on your own. Okay. You just got to do this on your own. If you, wanna, if you really want to know this, look it all up. Find out how it all happened. Because it all happened in our, in our great-grandparents' age, which is around 30, 20s, 40s, 50-year-old men in that area, in that time frame. So when it gets to the 1960s, long story short... Everything's established. Everything's there. Churches are thriving. Missionaries are thriving. VBS was created. They started youth groups. They started studies. They were on radio. They were on television. All these things happened with our great-grandparents. So now it was our grandparents' generation to, to take the torch so the great grandparents, pretty much, and, and as as a nation, as a country, as a generation, they said, "Here you go, everything's ready for you." They were handing the, they were passing the torch to the grandparents. The churches were going to be, um, they were going to be in charge. The grandparents are going to be in charge of the churches. They were going to conduct everything. They were going to schedule everything. They were going to do everything. They were going to be responsible for everything. And they said, "Look, y'all are responsible now." Everything's established. Everything's ready. Churches are built. Missionaries are already where they're supposed to be. There's already youth groups. We are, we're on TV. We're on news networks. We're on radio. We have everything. We've made music, great music. All you have to do now is take it and run with it. Make it better. Make it longer. Make it lastener. Make it bigger. Get the word of God out there. This, my friends, is when it starts to go downhill. There was a separation between our grandparents' generation and our parents' generation. Now, I probably should have cleared this up. Coffee break. Hold on. Mmm, nothing better. Let me make this clear. I'm 23 years old. My wife is 21. When I talk about grandparents, I'm probably talking pretty close to the 30-year-olds and under, necessarily. Maybe 30 to 15, 30 to 10, whatever you might say, whatever you want to call it. And then our grandparents being born in the 40s and being 20-year-olds in the 60s, somewhere in that nature, okie doke. And our parents being born in the 70s to now, That's, that's kind of the generation I'm talking about, 60s, 70s, whatever, that's what I'm talking about, that's the age group. But something happened between our grandparents and parents, and we see it in our churches. Because in our churches today, we see that the grandparents are still in church. The grandparents are still going to church. They're still conducting everything. They're still doing everything. But our parents, we see our parents' generation, those who have families, those who have kids. Back in the 80s, we see where there was a major disconnect. Because we don't see them in churches anymore. Hardly. Now, if you go knocking on door to door and you talk to someone of that age group, normally they would say, well, I grew up in church and I've been in church. Oh, well, I'm actually a a member at so-and-so church down the road. Well, I actually used to be a Sunday school teacher once, but I kind of got out of it. What happened? What happened? Normally, you only see them on holidays like Easter or Christmas. That's normally when you see them, our parents' generation. And now here we are, my generation, who has no clue of anything related to God's Word. Now, we see where our parents' generation, we see that they know God's words. They study God's words or they had before. Uh, We see that they know the Bible stories and they know the plan of salvation. They know these things. But their children don't. So what happened? What happened to our churches? Back in the 60s, they were thriving. Back in the 60s, they were so great. Back in the 60s, everything was going great up until now. And now, all of a sudden, two generations later, it has completely crumbled and failed. And now, we don't even have youth groups in our churches anymore. Why is that? Where was the disconnect? You ever wondered that? You ever wondered? You ever walked in a church and it's just old people? There might be like one lady Younger lady and her husband and a couple kids. Maybe none at all. Maybe some like very young children, like three or four or five. You ever walked in those churches? I have. I remember when I was preaching at Bible college and we were going around preaching all these churches every weekend. I mean, it seemed like every other church or just about every church we went to, it was just old people sitting up there in the in the uh, congregation. Nobody else and i always and i often wondered why what happened well i'll tell you what happened now there's many things that actually happened but i'm going to list two things that one the two things that were the major push for our churches to fail during the 60s when our parents were young parents Colleges came out and said, hey, if your kids are good at sports and if they're good at football, if they're good at baseball, if they're good at basketball, if they're good at softball, if they're good in theater, if they're good at riding a horse or playing chess, if they're good at singing, if they're good enough to sing for us at our college, we will give them a full ride scholarship or at least help them pay for their education. Boy, when when our grandparents' generation heard that, oh boy, the whole nation changed. Our grandparents in our churches, Christian grandparents, they went to their kids, which would be our parents today. They went to their kids and they said, look, look, your mom and I, we're, we're poor and we don't have a whole lot of money and there ain't no way we could pay for your college, baby. Son, there ain't no way we're too poor, we're too broke. But if you do good in school, and if you do good in, in football or baseball, whatever talent you have, and if you're good enough and you thrive in it, and if you take it seriously, you could play at one of these schools and they'll pay for your education and you can become whatever you want in life. Whatever you want in life, you can become. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the beginning of the fall of our churches. Well, how is it a bad thing, Landon? Education and sports? its what America's all about. I don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, you have to have some kind of education. And what's wrong with sports? I don't understand what you're getting at. Let me tell you. We'll get back to the Bible here in a minute. This is just a lot of talk. I understand Again, this really isn't a sermon. This is y'all just hearing me yak away. So don't think it's going to be like sitting in church. It's a little different. It's a podcast. Welcome. How is that bad? Well, let me explain. When our grandparents told our parents that a culture shift happened, a change happened in our churches, a priority change, an attitude change happened. They would still go to church. The parents would still go to church along with the kids. They they were they would enforce that a lot. We see we saw that. We saw that in the histories. We we can hear about it by the by talking to our parents and other parents of the, and other adults of that nature. They would continue to go to church, but in the home after church, it was always about how good you're doing at school and playing sports, what you're good at. See, the priority changed in the, that child's mind, which would be our parents. When our grandparents would say, look, you got you to continue to go to church and you need to study the word of God, but you've got to be good at school and you've got to make straight A's. And you've got to be good at sports so you can live a better life than me and your mama did. You've got to. So growing up, that young child was, he realized, she realized that church is important, that God is real. All these things are important. But they were being taught, maybe not on purpose, maybe not intentionally, But they were being taught that what's more important is your personal education. And to get a higher education, if you come from a poor family or whatever your status is, you have to get a scholarship. And the really only way you're going to get a scholarship was playing some kind of sports. So when that young man got up, well, our parents age, mind you, when, when that young man got up in the eighties and they started preaching and they started talking about the word of God and they started bringing up, uh, uh devotionals in their youth group and stuff of that nature. The parents would be proud, but when he swung a bat and made a home run or when he threw for a touchdown or when he made a a basket in basketball or when she made a score in softball or when she hit that greatest high note or when he moved the pawn to whatever piece he played in that match, yada, 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 whatever happened, there was a more exciting joy that those kids saw in their parents than they did see them in church. The grandparents reacted more excited outside of church of more earthly things when it came to sports and education than they did in the church. Landon, how do you know that? Were you there? No. But I promise if you start talking to people in your church, maybe not your church, but if you start talking to people and you start talking to especially the grandparents, you'll find that a lot of that happened. I was talking to my father-in-law, the great Brandon Willingham, <laughs> and I was talking about what we're talking about today, this discussion. What time do I have? I need to make sure I'm not, I'm not going over. Give me a second, y'all. to make sure... Okay, we're doing good. Sorry if that's a loud noise. But I was talking to my father in law about this. <clears throat> and I and I could I noticed it kind of hit him a certain way. Because as he was talking about he he listed about three or four families that he grew up with when he was a when he was a, a youth in youth, when he was a kid. He was telling me about this family <clears throat> that they got involved in a bowling league. Was it a bowling league or a racing league? I think it was a racing league, actually. When they got into this racing league. And they were really committed in church. They were so committed in church. But as they got older, mind you, Brandon's a kid. Okay. So are they. They're these kids. They're growing up together in the youth group. As they got older, as the kids started getting into high school, They slowly started missing Wednesdays. And the parent, he remembers the parents, well, they had a race today, or they had a game today, or they had a baseball game today going on. They had a softball game going on. Next thing you know, it was Sundays, Sunday nights. Well, the kids, they have a, yeah, they got a baseball tournament, softball tournament this weekend. That's where they're at, you know, they... You know, coach, you know, they have to be there, whatever. They're pretty strict about those things. <laughs> Next thing you know, the parents are gone. This is his words. And you know how much that's happened in our churches over the past two or three generations? When our great-grandparents, when our, when our grandparents were talking to our pe- mom and dads when they were kids, they had a an enthusiastic motive. They were excited about their kids' success in education and sports. But they didn't have that same excitement, that same fire, that same joy, that same passion that they had inside the church house. They didn't. And we see the results of that today. So our parents, once they grew up, Once they became adults and they went off to college or they started working or whatever, whatever it was, as they grew up, they felt like church is good, but it's not the most important thing. Whether it was intentional or not, our grandparents established a certain foundation in our parents' lives which was sports and education. Now, they, don't get me wrong. That may not be every family. That may not be your family. That may not be anyone's family you know, but I promise you that it was the families of many. Many families were like that. They fell into the world's pleasures, into the what the world had to offer. And so there came the downfall of the churches. So now our parents had kids. Hello. They had kids. And now we definitely see where we are as a nation today. People my age, young adults now, that were once kids, hardly any of them has ever even stepped foot of a church never even heard the word of god they know of god and stuff like that they can't help it they live in a christian nation what whatever's left of it but they don't they don't know like their parents know they didn't grow up in church their grandparents may go to church but their mom and dad they may go every now and then we used to just go on holidays And now we don't even go anymore at all. You can't hardly find college and career classes anymore in churches. You can't even hardly find youth groups anymore. The church I'm at now used to be a school for children. Now there's hardly any kids there. There's actually like two kids there. For a youth that used to run in the... In the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, numbers-wise, now we're down to two. And that's how the devil tricked our grandparents. That's how the devil destroyed our churches. By offering success and joy in education and sports. By saying, hey, you can make a lot of money and have a great time getting there by playing sports. And now we're here. Now we're here. And we see where our nation is today. Today, we see people my age burning down cities. They don't know what gender they are. They express themselves by putting tattoos on their bodies, by the music they sing and create. Evilness has come completely as wrapped around their minds. They are so disconnected from God. But it wasn't but two generations before that that there was a thriving will for God. Their great-grandparents and their grandparents. But the problem is that the foundation was not laid for the next generation. When our grandparents' generation took over, unfortunately, we see this today and it's a fact. It's a fact. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that our churches are dying today. Our true God fearing churches dying today. And that is that the foundation of God was not laid in our parents' generation. And now it is but a distant memory. In my generation. And so we look at all the things that are happening. Divorce rates are gone sky high. Homosexuality has gone sky high. Abortion sky high. Murders and crimes sky high. Drugs sky high. We see all this evilness in the world. It's terrible. My generation is so lost. They have no idea what they're looking for. They're looking for something. But they don't know what exactly they're looking for. And this goes back to to Josiah. Josiah knew. That the way of his father and his grandfathers before him was not the right way. He understood that what they were doing was wrong. He may not have been the perfect man. He may not have been necessarily looking for God. I mean, they started by cleaning out the house of the Lord, to repair the house of the Lord, to rebuild the house of the Lord. So he knew he was going in the right direction. But it wasn't until he heard a portion of God's word, that his heart was broken. Let's read it one more time. Verse 11. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. This is very important, this next verse, which verse 13. This is very important. He's giving a commandment to some of his leaders. He says that, and that was verse 12, but in verse 13, he says, Go ye, acquire of the Lord for me, for the people of all of Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. And listen to this. This is the key phrase you need to hear. Quote, because our fathers have not hearkened to the words of this book, end quote, to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book. He's talking about the generations before him. He's talking about that his, his the, the generations before him has failed that they did not plant and make a foundation in his life of God biblical standards that there was a disconnect between David and the rest of all the rest of them and he got to a point where it says in verse 11 that he rent his clothes because he realized when he heard the words of the law when he heard the bible He realized how far away, how disconnected his country was away from the Lord. He realized this. He saw. And he realized that it was boiled down to, because of his fathers did not hearken to the words of this book. Very sad. Josiah was a young man. He was only 18 years old. He didn't know exactly what he was looking for, but he knew he was looking for something and God led him in the right direction. I'm not defending anyone in in our generation about what they do or anything of that nature. But I really believe that my generation is looking for something different that was presented to them. There's a reason why my generation is burning down cities. There's a reason why they're expressing themselves like they are today. And it was because they were never introduced to the word of God properly. And what I mean by that, I mean that there was not a foundation in their home biblically, that their fathers and their grandfathers in the home, not at church, but in the home, they did not establish a foundation for them. And it all started with the excitement of sports and the thought of success for education. And what joy both of those would bring. It deplatformed God. It dethroned God. The goal was was set. The goal was at once was God. And now they removed God and put themselves on top. If you go to schools today, public schools today, it's all about you. It's about your education. It's about your success, how well you do in life. You, 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 you. You, you, and nothing is about God. God was pushed out of our schools during that time. Prayer was pushed out of our schools during that time. A lot of things happened that were evil. And now our grandparents wonder, and I hear it, I hear it, I hear it all the time, y'all. I do. I hear them talk about, well, your generation, y'all are just horrible. Y'all are just terrible. Oh, I just can't wait till the Lord comes back. You know, and and I don't know if I'm wrong for saying this. But I I want the Lord to come back too. But you know what I also want? I want to live a life too. I wanna have kids. I wanna watch them grow up. I wanna send them off to college. I wanna teach them the word of God. I wanna have grandkids. I wanna spoil my grandkids. I wanna live a life just like you did. A full maybe not exactly like you did, but but you know, I want to live a full life. Yes, it would be it's exciting to know that God's coming back today. But or, or or sometime soon, but I, I still want to live a full life. And it's sad to think about, you know, Josiah, he realized and he understood and he he knew that when he read this book, there, he realized the disconnect there were from God and they were at the wrath of the Lord. And it says so in verse verse 13, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. He realizes that God can wipe them out and God's patience is becoming slim. And I believe today in America that it is very possible that God's patience is running very, 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 very slim. And it's scary as a young man. Because personally, I, had, I, I grew up, my dad was a youth minister, and he grew and I grew up in a youth group. and I watched this youth group rise. I watched it grow. But I also watched it fall. And I watched most of my friends, whether it was in the homeschool group or I knew outside of the homeschool group and some buddies of mine or whatever the nature may be, I watched as most of my friends went down a path I could not follow. They went down the path of sin. They went down uh, to... to I wonder what it's going to be like 20 years from now. What will my kids say? Because we look at our churches, and if we look back before the 60s, we see a thriving churches everywhere. It was moving forward, being established. Everything was getting better. And now we're at a point where we are barely hanging on. Churches are closing their doors left and right. And it was because there was not a foundation of God's word in the home. You can go to church and you can take your family to church all you want. But if there's not a foundation of God in the household, it can't work. Let me check my time, y'all. Let me check my time real quick. I got eight minutes and we'll wrap this up. But I wonder, you know, it, it there wasn't a foundation in the home. You know, I've also, I've often thought about this, you know, terminology. Will we ever get back like it was in the 60s. Will we ever see great revivals again, like there was back then? The great stories my grandparents have always told me, the Sunday school teachers, the preachers that are older today. Will we ever get back there? I have no idea. I have no clue. Quickly, the Bible describes Josiah. The Bible says, Josiah, there was no king greater than Josiah after him. And Josiah's reign, he only reigned until he was 31. He was killed. But in his lifetime, there, there, his country was completely going in a wrong direction. And he was able to turn them around. But in his short lifetime, in the short time span he had. He turned that country around and he, he he tried to go the right direction. He started destroying the idols. He started destroying everything that represented a false god and he got his people back on track and he, during his lifetime, he tried to turn it around. He tried to turn it around and he did all he could. And if you continue reading, it becomes a very sad story all over again. But quickly, I'll give you this little terminology I've been thinking about. We all know the story of the Titanic. We all know that it crashed an iceberg and it eventually sunk. As I was studying this, I, I kept, this kept coming to me, and I'll go ahead and share it with y'all, but it kind of feels like our grandparents, as, the, as this, as well, let me say it like this. America is kind of like the Titanic right now. We are sinking. We're not sinking super, super fast, but we are sinking generation by generation by generation by generation. It's going down faster and faster and faster. I mean, I think a couple days ago, we would have never thought that the capital, capital would be, you know, raided. We're living in a very strange time, but I, I, I want to say this really quickly. As this ship is sinking, as America's sinking like the Titanic, I feel like that our grandparents, they're saved. A lot of them are. They're still in church. So they're kind of like the folks in the, in the life raft. They're kind of like the folks that are just, they're in their boats. They're in the safe. They're safe. They're are being, they're saved by salvation and they're in the lifeboats. They're saved. They're going to make it. They're going to live. They're going to go to heaven. They'll be all right. They'll be fine. But what about the rest of us? It seems like as America sinks, a lot of my generation are just floating in the water, freezing to death, trying to grasp something to hold on to dear life, just to hold on to the next day grabbing on to whatever they can to keep them afloat they're they, i mean they're they're freezing cold they're suffering they're they're looking a way to escape but it seems like our grandparents are over there in the life rafts and they're just not doing anything anymore and i'm not trying to target our churches today but have have you we've all heard we've all heard what's been taught sometimes what's been said Well, I can't wait till the Lord comes back. Seems like that they've given up, that they've quit. But we need them. We need our grandparents to step up. And we uh, we need someone to row to us and pick us out of this freezing cold water. Can we ever get back to the 60s? Can we ever repair this sinking ship? I have no idea. But I know, and in my house, we will serve the Lord. And I know maybe through this podcast, that maybe I can reach some folks. Maybe I can get a message out. Maybe I can help someone. I have a passion. I'm not a preacher. But I do have a passion to teach. And I do have a passion to teach youth, to teach the next generation. Because I feel like, as a generation whole, that there was not a foundation laid for our parents. And then when our parents grew up, there was, just, there was just no foundation at all for, for the next generation to come in. We wonder how we got to this point as Americans or as a church, how America is going down this, how America is sinking and how our churches are dying. We wonder how it got here. Well, I guarantee you, if we look back a few steps, if we just turn around and look, we can see the evidence Of what happened. We can see where God got dethroned. And we were put on that throne. Josiah knew. Josiah knew. He rented his clothes. And he. Whatever he could do. He turned. His country around. He tried to do whatever he could. During his lifetime. And I feel like. We should do the same. I'm Landon Barrios, and this is By the Campfire with the Barises. Thank y'all so very much. <laughs>